0: Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul let's be reasonable you know ever since i lost my trusty cock hayworth now get your head out of the gutter i'm talking about a rooster i've had a hard time waking up so i got a new alarm tone and here it is wow. <laughs> i'm in san francisco <laughs> First, after him. So my point is how do you how do you define what you hear from We appreciate you being here on New Day? <laughs> uh. In an hour say, she- she- Oh my <laughs> You. <laughs> It's high noon for Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. Also, you can follow the podcast on Gavin Parlor at I'm your moderator and you can find just some incredible merchandise at www. Cancelcotour.com. Today is the 69th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever live, Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You had your tantrum, and now everyone knows that you were very mad. Now, your ears did not deceive you yesterday, and time did not travel backwards. I just merely got the number of days of Joe Biden's fake presidency wrong I missed the opportunity to call yesterday the 68th full day and instead I called it the 70th but it was Monday and I was doing my math wrong so sue me at least now I get to honor the number 68 and Yarmira Yager otherwise who's ever going to say 68 again Although the answer is probably me, because 68 is actually a pretty badass band, too. I know that not everybody is into my style of music, which usually skews toward hard rock and hardcore, which is like, I don't know, a fusion of of rock and metal. I'm not like one of those like death metal guys, generally speaking. And I'm certainly not one of those people that thinks like rock and roll means that everyone in the band... Looks like they dressed up for Halloween as a monster energy drink. Not into that thing either. But there's a hell of a lot of heavy music out there that is very, very good. And one of the bands that is, that seems like no one's ever heard of, is a band called 68. And it's like apostrophe 68 if you're looking for it, like the year 1968, basically. And uh, they're awesome. And if you don't believe me, I can tell you exactly which songs to listen to and blah, blah, blah. But they're still not better than the best one of those bands, which is Hope's Fall, who I used to announce at the end of this podcast all the time. And then I started, you know, making it more issue-based. But Hope's Fall is still awesome. And their 2018 album, Arbiter, is one of the top five rock records of the 2000s up till now, like 2000 till now, it's right up there. Maybe brand new science fiction still edges it out, but it's basically a perfect hard rock record. And since there's nothing insane breaking in the news so far today, I am going to lead us further into the pernicious evil nonsense that the Communist Party is creating as we sink further into this dystopia, you know, before it comes to an end, which I believe is going to be very soon. But with all the talk of vaccine passports, the discussion on the vaccines is getting to one of those danger points. And again, I have faith that this stuff's going to work out. But part of that faith is an understanding that people will be in tune to this stuff and they will open their ears and they will open their eyes and they will open their minds and they'll understand what exactly it is the media walked them into supporting. And a lot of those people are going to pull back from the edge at some point they will come to the understanding that they have helped usher in a modern Nazism. And I'm not calling Joe Biden Hitler. Joe Biden is too decrepit and stupid and aimless. Joe Biden has always been about Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been all about making money and selling his power for money. He doesn't even have the long-term overarching goals that the evil genius persona might have. Hitler wasn't doing that whole thing to get rich. You know what I mean? He had like ideological motivations that Joe Biden simply doesn't have. That doesn't mean that Joe Biden doesn't serve people who do have those ideological motivations and aspirations. And you can look at these people, Bill Gates, George Soros, the central bankers, the Davos crowd, Klaus Schwab, Eric Schmidt, these guys. These guys actually have a plan for the world. And in some strange way, I'm sure that they have rationalized and justified their desires as in a way that allows them to outwardly say, no, the world is really going to be better after we do all this stuff. I'm telling you, we just have to listen to me, give me all the control, and then I'll save the world. And by saving the world, I mean like on average. You know, the way they talk about statistics now. Like a thousand people dying unnecessarily in nursing homes because Andrew Cuomo put sick people into them is a drop in the bucket compared to the half million or so deaths that they attribute to the coronavirus. And they actually think this. They're like, oh, yeah, I mean, yes. okay, it's terrible. But that's such a small percentage of the deaths. And it's like, wait a second. If you were one of those people's family members and that's the only person, you know, who died with the coronavirus, that's one out of one. Okay? So 100% of the people that you know who died with the coronavirus got the coronavirus because Andrew Cuomo put sick patients into nursing homes. You understand? So you can't just say, well, that's such a small percentage. I mean, in terms of the mistakes, what a small one that is. No, that is the biggest mistake, okay? It doesn't matter that it wasn't responsible for the bulk of deaths classified as coronavirus. It matters that it was completely foreseeable and completely avoidable and specifically done to enrich the people in that industry, in that state, and to increase the overall death numbers. Are we to believe that all the states and all the leaders around the country who put sick patients into nursing homes did so out of necessity? Or that they thought that would be the best place for those people? Again, hospitals were never overwhelmed. Donald Trump sent hospital ships to New York and to California. They set up field hospitals in the Javits Center, two in Central Park. Almost all, almost all of those extra facilities went unused while sick people were put into nursing homes. I would actually love to know if in New York, when someone is put into a long term care home, I wonder whether their voter registration gets automatically updated to have their ballots sent there. I'd be real interested to know that we know that most of the fraud with adding extra voters through the system, which is seemingly legal in these states, is to have it go through the DMV. And we know, for instance, that illegal immigrants can get driver's licenses. And so when their voter registration is automatically added at that point, then they're sent a ballot regardless of whether or not they're legal voters. And who really cares? Right. We want to count all the votes we want everybody to count. In fact, I woke up this morning and when I was going out for a coffee, I saw a school bus of all vehicles with a census advertisement on the side of it that says everybody counts. Right. And that's a reference to the idea that illegal immigrants should be counted in the census because. For the district, the argument is for the distribution of resources and other things, it's great, it's necessary even for states and cities and towns and whatever to know exactly how many people are there. Not necessarily American citizens, but people, okay? The problem arises when we realize how many of those quote unquote resources actually should not be going to illegal immigrants and then are allotted to those localities based on population, even though a bulk of that population are not American citizens. Okay, so that is basically a redistribution of resources from the American taxpayer to illegal immigrants and to the government's. This is actually the more important part, because if it was just going to illegal immigrants and that money was actually helping them get health care or food or something, then you can make a compassionate argument for why that's good. But the truth is, those people aren't getting those services and they're not getting ahead. That money goes to the government, the local government, the state government, and then that money is distributed wherever they choose and to whichever consultants they choose, to whichever... Uh, Non-governmental organizations they choose. They push that money out to their friends, their supporters, people that will help them get reelected. Advocacy groups that will lie about problems and demand additional resources. Kind of like how we're spending $86 million on housing illegal immigrants who have now crossed Joe Biden's open border. In hotel rooms, okay? All that money gets filtered through an NGO first. It's not like the government is directly paying the hotels. So they have these nonprofits, non governmental organizations that actually do all the functionary jobs that the state actually can't put into law on its own. So they'll pass money for these programs and they don't have to get the money and distribute it in normal ways they just filter it off onto an NGO who siphons off their portion and then helps but we're still our congressional representatives are apportioned by population which means that states like California with high illegal immigrant populations If they are all counted on the census, then California ends up with extra representatives in the Congress, in the U.S. House of Representatives. And when you start giving states more representatives based on the fact that they have allowed more illegal immigrants into their state, we have a real problem because then that is pushing the representation in our country in favor of illegal immigrants, illegal immigrant communities, and the cities and states that provide the most resources to illegal immigrants. Now, again, taking out the discussion of whether or not this is compassionate. First of all, there's nothing compassionate about encouraging people to trek 1,500 miles To try to get over our border so that they can go into a detention facility or get flown around the country to somewhere or the kids can be picked up by adult guardians who don't even have their backgrounds checked. That's not compassion. It's also not compassion to send women on this journey while they know full well that over 50 percent of those women are being sexually assaulted before they reach the border. Okay, so that's not compassion. Talking about compassion after they're already here may be a more valid conversation, but it's still not the right conversation because the truth is they shouldn't be here. If the United States is not in a position to take on more immigrant labor and we can't do it legally, the way it's supposed to be done, the way the country has decided it will be done based on our resources and our needs, then we shouldn't be allowing illegal immigrants to come into the country, skipping the line of legal immigration, and then accessing all of the country's resources, and then through their reps, who they actually create more of just by their presence, get granted those resources. And this is reflective of one of the worst problems right now with the communist takeover of America led by the Democrat Party and the Maskees, Commies, Obamies, and Romneys. And it mirrors what happened in the election. They decide that they want more power in a certain way. So they will abuse and mangle the legal system and use extra legal means that they think they can get away with to actually achieve the goal that they're after without going through the proper processes. And then no one stops them. Because, oh, well, it's already done. We can't, as Laura Ingram says, relitigate the past, right? So I guess we just have that now. But there was an ad on the school bus for the census. We need to have to think that everybody counts, right? And this is a particularly important issue this year, last year, right now, this period, because of a few things, okay? As the coronavirus was used in all these other systems to completely abuse and misuse the systems themselves, saying that everything is dangerous, oh, now we're delayed because of coronavirus stuff, because everything's dangerous. So the census is not finished. The final results are not in. That would normally have happened on December 31st of last year, but it didn't. Now it's scheduled for April 30th of this year, so in one month. And normally the redistricting counts would be sent on April 1st, which is two days from now. Instead, now it's going into September. But the thing is, last year, the Supreme Court sided with the Trump administration that illegal immigrants should not be counted on the census rolls. And this was while Trump was still in office. The census has continued to be held back. Because they want to change that. I mean, the work is done, isn't it? You can't just hand over the data. And of course they can. Because that's not the point. The point is not to give the right answer under the law. The point is to not answer until you can manipulate the system to yield the result you want. It's exactly like not declaring a winner on election night, even though the winner was obvious. And this is really just a pattern for them. This is what they do in every system now. Break the system down, then figure out these kind of external ways to fix the system that we end up paying for as well, while they take advantage of the broken system and make it worse. And you can see how they're pushing back on all of these new election laws. And that strikes me. And again, this is me theorizing. I don't know this to be true yet. I feel like it will be proven true. But it seems to me that this is why they're trying to rush H.R. 1 through the thing that changes all the national voting laws. There's two advantages they have out of this. They're watching states change their own laws. And of course, in the Constitution, it says that the states get to make their own laws for how elections are held. And so the states are trying to do this. If they all pass these laws before H.R. 1 gets passed, I feel like this whole thing is a race to the Supreme Court to battle it out on this constitutional issue of whether or not states will retain the right to choose how their elections are run. And so if they institute a national law before the states change their laws, then it's my assumption that people who actually care about voting integrity would have to go on the defensive and take these cases to the Supreme Court. And who knows? what the Supreme Court will look like by then. On the other hand, if the states pass these laws first, making it clear that they have no interest in these national laws, then that would require a much heavier lift on the part of the uh, usurper Biden regime, a.k.a. the Harris Biden regime, a.k.a. Barack Obama's third term. Because they would have to be the ones convincing the courts that these states are not allowed to do that. And clearly they are, which is why they're going absolutely apeshit about the race stuff that's entirely irrelevant. And everyone knows it. 70% of black voters in a recent poll want voter ID. 70%. That's incredible. Okay, we're being told. That this complete annihilation of voter integrity is actually being done for the black community. Well, if that's true, maybe you should convince the black community of that first. Because it doesn't seem like they're falling for it. And no one else is either. And this guy on uh, Gab, his name is like Anonymous Patriot or something. But he made a couple of good points and a couple of good posts in the last 24 hours that kind of just popped up on, on my feeds elsewhere. But he was basically saying like, hey, you need an ID to get the vaccine and you need the vaccine to get the vaccine passport, which is basically a vaccine ID. Which would then be an ID to do pretty much anything. I mean, we do need an ID to do a lot of stuff. Right now, and no one calls that racist. It's never been racist to need an ID to buy alcohol or to buy cigarettes. It's just the obvious way to prove your age and who you are. But the argument really breaks down because if they're saying that there is this population of black voters who can't figure out how to get IDs, then that also means they can't get the vaccine, right? I mean, I know that they're going door to door trying to get people to take the vaccine because people don't want to take it. But that aside, the idea that they're going to require a greater level of ID to use the grocery store than they do to vote is utterly insane. And I, you know, I'm not the first person to make that point. People have been making the point. The point is so obvious. It's obvious to everyone except for commies because they don't think. And I don't mean to linger on the vaccine ID thing or the vaccine passport or whatever they'd like to call it. But I was thinking last night about how masking was nothing more than a beta test to see how much of the country would be willing to accept the vaccine passport. And of course, they're looking at these statistics every day and they are beta testing this stuff. Why else would they take a quote unquote mitigation strategy that they know doesn't work? Right. They can say that it might help and that people should do it out of respect or all these other things. But they know it doesn't work. They know that masks do not prevent viral spread. They have no means of doing it. The best masks for that only work when they are properly fitted and properly used. And zero people in the American public do that. They don't even wear their N95 masks in the right direction. Okay? they have them twisted so that the fold goes up and down. It's supposed to go left to right. And they'll wear them on the treadmill and they'll wear them while they're shopping and they'll wear them while they're walking outside on the street on a sunny day and they're sweating in them. Hey, your mask isn't doing anything and everyone knows it. OK, so remember, Fauci initially came out and said, that's not an issue. We don't need the masks. And then we do need the masks. And now the masks are saving everybody, even though the case numbers are continuing to go up. And now the case numbers are going down. So now we should wear two masks because it turns out that one mask wasn't enough. So now we need two. And there's no real explanation on why we don't need three. And there's no real idea about when it will will be safe to go from two to one. Right. Because isn't that how we would go back from two masks to one mask and then one mask to zero masks? Wouldn't that make more sense? you know, if they're providing extra levels of defense, then we wouldn't want to go down to one mask until it's safer. And then we wouldn't want to go down to zero masks until it's totally safe. But of course, the vaccine doesn't actually prevent you from getting the disease or from spreading the disease. Apparently, that's what they say. So when will there be a time where the masks are no longer necessary? And I imagine that that point, will be reached in the minds of the Maskies and the Obamis and the Romneys around the time that the vaccine passport gets initiated so that they know that whatever room they enter, it's going to only be other people like them. Okay? So they can all take their masks off because they don't have to be threatened by ever being around anyone who's not like them. Like, hey, don't want to enter this grocery store until I'm certain that everyone inside, just like me, helped to usher in this illegitimate Nazi regime. And then once you're certain that everyone in there also helped support a fraudulent election, then it's totally safe to go inside. And if you want to know how deep this sentiment runs in these people. There is a great piece from The Guardian, and this was actually published a month ago. I missed this completely, and it came up on my radar over the weekend as people were starting to have the vaccine passport conversation. And it's by a communist named Nick Cohen. And the headline is, It is only a matter of time before we turn on the unvaccinated. And I read that headline and I was like, oh, wow, this guy's going to kind of give an edgy pushback on how much this Obama and Romney class of people are dividing society completely and potentially irreparably. I thought he was going to push back on that. Oh, I was wrong. The subheading is poverty and religion are creating a class. The newly inoculated will come to resent. It is easy to see how the pandemic could lead to class and racial strife by imagining how the UK will stand in six months time. The vindictive will start to describe covid as a sickness of choice. Its victims will be victims of their own stupidity. They might have accepted vaccination. They might have protected themselves and others if, as seems likely, vaccines limit infections. Well, right there, he's saying that anyone in the future who dies from COVID will do so by their own choice because they were too stupid to have someone inject them with an experimental gene therapy that has killed literally thousands of people in the world. And it's amusing that at the end of that paragraph, he straight out admits uncertainty about whether or not the vaccines will limit infections. So this guy is calling people who don't want the vaccine stupid while admitting he's not sure if the vaccine does anything. If you can't limit infections. It isn't a vaccine. Rational people will ask why they should continue to accept restrictions on their freedoms because of ignorant delusions. Yeah, rational people started doing that last spring. I was one of them. Here's the ignorant delusion. COVID is a very deadly virus that we all need to be scared of, and it's worth ending our lives for even though doing so will not help anyone in any way and after a year has not provably helped anyone in any way. That part is critical. There is not one piece of data in this world that shows that the mitigation strategies anywhere, anywhere, have done a damn thing. Because, of course, they haven't. I'm sure that massive spike in Sweden's death number is coming any time now. Maybe we should just wait two more weeks for it. And speaking of waiting two weeks, Texas ended their mask mandate and cases have dropped. New cases have dropped every single day since then. And tomorrow, that'll be three weeks. So what about that? Should we just wait two more weeks? That's when the really scary thing is going to happen. It's a good thing that we are testing all the hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants pouring over our borders, literally over 100,000 last month. Oh, wait, we're not testing them. Whoops. Going to get a case number out of that one, aren't we, guys? Might get a case number in Texas. Oh, more cases. Watch out for the cases. Employers will demand to know what possible argument there is against allowing the owners of pubs, airlines, restaurants, hotels, or holiday homes to demand proof of protection when immunity passports might save their business. Really? It's good that someone's looking out for the holiday homes. Owners of pubs, restaurants, hotels, etc. Don't want these restrictions. The government is preventing them from opening their businesses, not the coronavirus. There is a very good argument here against that, Nick. To make it personal, how would you feel come autumn? If someone you love contracted cancer and the NHS delayed treatment because it had to look after needlessly ill COVID patients. Well, I personally would feel like maybe that's the downside of socializing your healthcare system. That would be my first reaction. My second reaction is that contracted is not the right word to put next to cancer, but it does make it sound like one of the unvaccinated people gave you cancer. So good writing there, Nick. But the needlessly ill? Well, everybody's needlessly ill, commie. And I'd be interested to know exactly how many illnesses this communist believes are needless and therefore not worthy of care, right? Because that is what he's saying. He's saying that it would be a tragedy to have this cancer treatment delayed because people are in there with other things that they shouldn't have gotten. That sets a pretty dangerous standard, doesn't it, Nick Cohen? But while we're here, it might be a good time to notice How many hundreds of thousands of people had to have their cancer screenings delayed and their cancer treatments delayed because the state decided to shut down hospitals and treatment facilities for those needs because the data and the science and the models and the public health experts all said That COVID would overwhelm the hospitals so we can't do those other treatments. There actually is a case in the world right now, Kami, where people's cancer treatments have been delayed for something needless. You're just on the wrong side of that issue, too. And of course you are. You're a brain dead Nazi. The poor suffer disproportionately from covid as they suffer disproportionately from everything else. Oh, that is a tautology. But it could soon be a sickness of poverty in Birmingham. The only city to have produced detailed statistics, just 60 percent of people over 80 over 80 accepted the jab. In Alum Rock, a deprived and racially mixed part of the inner city, while 95 percent accepted it in Sutton Four Oaks, an overwhelmingly white commuter suburb. Well, this is interesting. Let me pause you there for a second, Kami, because I think that what you're saying, if I can just, you know, get these eight sentences we've read so far all into one cohesive idea here, is that if someone doesn't accept the jab, Isn't that a dark fucking way of saying it? Accept the jab. Accept it. Accept it. You have to accept it. Sounds like Nick Cohen is actually promoting rape culture here. But if you're stupid not to accept the jab and only 60% of it did it in the racially mixed community, you know, the inner city. And 95% of it, of people did it in the overwhelmingly white commuter suburb. Well, my, 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 Nick, it sounds like you are calling those racial minorities stupid. Doesn't it? How are you going to get out of that one? Commie. Public health workers told me of their fears, but said they could never speak their minds in public. So let me spit it out for them. Oh, yes. (laughs) Public health workers, they have no way of getting media attention, especially when they want to say that the people the commies don't like are stupid. Yeah, no one's going to cover that. If good citizens who have taken their jabs see poor white people, ultra orthodox, heretic Jews, black or South Asian men and women, they may remember the stories about anti-vax illusions and cross the road or move down the bus to avoid them or refuse to hire them or provide them with services. Oh, so the good citizens might avoid the poor Jews, blacks and South Asian men and women. Based on communist propaganda. And so all of those, quote unquote, marginalized or, quote unquote, disadvantaged people, you know, the stupid ones, those poor, stupid people and those poor, stupid Jews and blacks and Asians, that's what Nick Cohen is saying. They might be subject to discrimination from the good citizens. And you know what? It's their own fault, which means the good citizens are completely justified in their disdain for these bad people. You know, the stupid people, the people who are not white unless they're poor and white, you know, stupid people. And it's going to be a result of their stupidity that they can't have jobs and they can't be near the good people on the bus. It's their own fault, which is basically like saying you shouldn't have worn that dress, isn't it, commie? We have been lucky that to date the public faces of the anti-vax and covid skeptic movements have been upper middle class white men. Laying into the likes of Piers Corbin and Toby Young is a pleasure as much as a journalistic duty. Uh, You're not a journalist. And I'm guessing that with your level of intelligence combined with your level of hatred and disgust for anyone not like you probably doesn't give you an edge over Toby Young. Toby Young's a smart guy. Piers Morgan's kind of a clown, but I doubt that this quote unquote journalist can beat anyone in argument. Really? I mean, this is just stupid Nazi nonsense. The only prejudice you worry about fanning is a legitimate aversion to overindulged cranks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not supposed to respond to these people because they're saying the bad thing and you don't want to give them more attention. How long this relaxed state will last as demands to punish the unvaccinated grow is another matter. Very good, Nick. This guy is coming out with all of it. This is honestly, this article is even more pernicious than uh, whiteness is a pandemic or whiteness is the pandemic. Whatever that uh, Damon Young guy wrote. This is worse. This is insane. He's saying that their whole society of good people are relaxed. They haven't really gotten into the punishment phase yet. It's funny that he's in the UK where... There are no weapons and that he can actually pretend that somehow he has a bone of toughness in his body and that he would be able to exact this punishment himself. Okay, I'm not sure that people should be supporting various forms of punishment. That they would not be willing to dole out themselves, and I'm not sure that they should be discussing these sorts of matters when they would never, ever say this to any of these people's faces. I encourage you to go to The Guardian and find this article and look at Nick Cohen and then tell me if you think this guy has actual balls. I can tell you he doesn't. The idea that there is this movement Directed toward the punishment of unvaccinated people. And this guy thinks that's good is crazy. He's actually saying you need to be punished for not being vaccinated. But let's hear what else the commie has to say. The right supplies one answer to vaccine apartheid. It opposes immunity passports as a step on the road to a dictatorial society where we won't be able to work or play without some functionary demanding we produce our papers. Conservative fears aren't wholly neurotic, but they should not allow their myth of the freeborn Englishman to fool them into believing that the majority of the population won't welcome passports as a route out of lockdown. Again, he is speaking for a particular class of people who, like him, have a degree, have a cushy job and are nonetheless very stupid and evil. Okay, he's saying that despite the fact that conservatives have a point about this. It doesn't matter because their privacy rights have already been infringed in other ways. And that regardless, enough people think like he does, that it doesn't really matter what they think. And that that's how we get out of lockdowns rather than just deciding to be human again. The right cannot go further than rejectionist opposition because all attempts to stop COVID-19 becoming an endemic infection involve a reordering of society. Uh, no, that's actually not true at all. And again, the goal is not to prevent the coronavirus from becoming an endemic infection. If we're to believe what we're told, it already is an endemic infection. And what does he mean? Well, he means just like the flu. Well, how do we stop that in your vaccinated world, Nick Cohen? Because you admit right at the beginning that vaccines might not even limit infections. This guy has no points so far. He's written like a thousand words of utter rubbish. See that? I'm English too. The idea that we need to reorder society on this basis is nothing more than Great Reset propaganda. And you can hear it in the language, all right? I'm not, this isn't conspiracy theorizing. The Great Reset is a real thing. The people enacting it describe it as the Great Reset And don't hesitate to say all these things. Okay, so there's no doubt that that's a real thing. This is the language they use. They want a reordering of society. They are using this disease as a means of achieving that. There are hundreds of thousands, maybe more than a million undocumented migrants in the UK. As Gracie Bradley of Liberty pointed out to me, Theresa May's, quote unquote, hostile environment for migrants makes them frightened of visiting vaccination centers. What? When the NHS shares data with the Home Office and Immigration Enforcement, they have every incentive to stay away. So basically, we have lots of illegal immigrants here. And we don't want them to be scared of deportation. So we need to determine that they won't be deported no matter what so that they can get the vaccine. So that they'll be convinced to accept the jab. That's where we are right now. The problem is not having a million illegal immigrants. And it's not giving them resources. It's that they would be scared of taking advantage of the resources because then they might not be able to continue to stay in the country illegally. Such convoluted communist logic. Since he was mayor of London, Boris Johnson is toyed with offering an amnesty for illegal immigrants. Conservatives and many others hate the idea because it rewards migrants who broke the rules. Well, that's not the only reason people are against it. But the practical arguments for regularizing the position of countless thousands who dare not report a crime, appear in court as a witness or protect themselves and wider and wider society by agreeing to a vaccine should crush all doubts. Oh, got it. So the practical argument is where we need to go here. So if the practical argument should always be prioritized over the principled argument, then you can really just amend whatever situation pops up in life to whatever goal you mean to achieve. And that goal, based on its practicality, is thereby moral and smart. Got it? That is one big circle of convoluted communist logic. And the idea that they're protecting themselves or the wider society, again, is totally specious. That hasn't been proven at all, nor has the idea that every single person is responsible for protecting every single other person by getting vaccinated. Let's take it out of the context of covid or, well, I mean, it still would be a coronavirus, but let's say you get a head cold and someone else catches the cold from you who knows how And someone else catches the cold from them. And then two months later, someone across the country catches a cold. Because you know how the butterfly's wings flap, right? Am I responsible for that person catching a cold? Is that really how we want to construct our society? Everything about the society, right? Riddle me this, commie. When you go to one of your holiday homes and you break your leg skiing and now you are at the NHS receiving care, are you responsible for the death of a cancer patient? This is this communist logic here. I don't think that I'm being uncharitable. I think that that's legitimately what he's saying. An amnesty is essential, and now would be a good moment for the prime minister to find the backbone, to take on the conservative core vote, assuming he has a backbone to find, that is. Oh, yes, once again, the conservatives are the problem, and until they do what the communists say, then they don't have backbones to stand up for what they obviously know is right, because the party says so the housebound, the homeless, and many people with severe mental and physical disabilities need vaccinations to come to them because they cannot or do not know how to reach NHS centers. In short, they require a bigger NHS and stronger state, not the minimal state of Tory dreams. Wow. You got that? That is basically the exact same argument we were just discussing about voter ID in the US. Black people, the communists say, are unable to get IDs to vote because they are either too stupid or they don't know how to access the Internet. Joe Biden said that himself. Nick Cohen is saying that himself. Or they're scared. They're scared of going to figure out where the vaccines are. So what we need to fix that is a bigger NHS and a stronger state, the sort of state that will go to them and make sure that they Except the jab. Yet when all the nice social democratic proposals have been offered, the willful ignorance remains. Oh, yeah. You already tried all the nice social democratic proposals. Social democratic. Is democratic socialism, which is also just socialism, which is also just communism. As so often with conspiracy theories, the endorsement of elite charlatans is vital to its spread. Oh, really? You don't say Nick Cohen. The endorsement of someone like Neil Ferguson at Imperial College London, who created the model that made the world absolutely insane about the coronavirus, even though it overstated everything by about 20 times. Are those the kind of elite charlatans you're talking about? Or maybe you're talking about Anthony Fauci, or maybe you're talking about Andrew Cuomo. Or maybe you're talking about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Or maybe you're talking about Barack Obama. Or maybe, just maybe, you're talking about Bill Gates. Emmanuel Macron's attempt to cover up the failure of the European Commission to supply vaccines with the false claim that the AstraZeneca inoculation is, quote, quasi-ineffective, end quote, for older people, has fueled anti-vax sentiment across the continent and will lead to many preventable deaths. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting, Nick Cohen. I wonder if you might want to reconsider that paragraph now, a month later, as we've seen the AstraZeneca vaccine getting pulled. Its use stopped in many places around the world, not just in the U.K., They just announced it in Canada, and there was some other one that I saw today, but they're stopping giving that vaccine to anyone under 55 or anyone under 60, and they're suggesting actual danger for people under 30. But that can be labeled as only quasi ineffective by communists like Nick Cohen, who don't actually think that the vaccine saving you from the disease matters. It doesn't actually matter if the vaccine does something. Because that's not the goal. The goal is to make sure that everyone takes it. And I wonder if he might consider vaccine-related death to be a preventable death. I would guess that he would say it's not and that this is the price of science. And you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, right? Extreme religious elites are less visible, but no less calculating. I spoke to workers at Migdal Amuna, a charity that fights forced marriages and child abuse in Haredi Jewish communities. It seems like this guy doesn't like Jews very much, even though he has a Jewish last name. I could not understand how religious leaders could accept a covid infection rate nine times above the UK average. They told me what I should already have known. Theocrats would do anything to avoid legitimizing the scientific worldview. Oh, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> wow. Once they allow modernity in, once they accept that the works of men are superior to the commands of God, their control of the mind and body, particularly of women's bodies, would be at risk. Better to tolerate death and sickness than allow the rotten structure to fall. Right there, the rotten structure he's talking about is religion. And I have lived my life as an atheist. I'm not sure exactly where I stand on all of that now, and I reconsider it often, sometimes every day. And I imagine myself 10 years ago or 15 years ago and whether I might not have made these same arguments. And the truth is I might, because I saw religion by and large to be a problem in the world. And now I'm more of the view that Misuse of religion is the problem and that that misuse of religion comes by way of secular people who would like to pin all these problems on religion, not realizing that that is not the primary problem or by people who identify as religious but lack faith and don't use their religion as a connection to the world or to humanity or to a greater good or a greater honesty. And it's merely just a signifier of brand, a signifier of their family lineage or the groups of people they associate with, as I imagine Nick Cohen does. But let's read this sentence again. Once they allow modernity in, once they accept modernity, That the works of men are superior to the commands of God, their control of the mind and body, particularly women's bodies, would be at risk. It is not worth breaking this one sentence down because I could spend an hour on that. And I also think that just listening to those words a couple of times gives you the sense of what this person actually believes and thinks about humans who don't agree with him. He also really seems to be missing the ball on the most crucial point to make here about the religion and science argument relative to the coronavirus. And that's that the virus came from a fucking lab where they were studying how to make the virus more transmissible and more deadly you know, so that they could prevent a problem in the future. But whether that virus was developed as a bioweapon, which seems likely because of the Wuhan Institute of Virology's association with the People's Liberation Army and the Chinese Communist Party, the virus still escaped from a lab. Even if it was not specifically designed as a bioweapon, there was still a scientific error on a world historical scale. That is a failure of science. Are we to pretend that science gets no demerits for this? This is insane. Science, it turns out, is the problem when it comes to the existence of coronavirus in the first place, or COVID-19, I should say, in the first place, and then it's different variant strains, right? Science is the problem there. Science is also the problem in the coronavirus response because we were told that epidemiology is a science, and it's not. But we were told that whatever epidemiologists say, we must listen to. And then we're told that whatever the politicians say, if they can say it's based on science that that also is science, and then we have to listen to that too. Science, scientism, and the abuse of both are how we got here. Literally nothing else. It was not the lack of science available. Hydroxychloroquine had already been created. That could have fixed the problem right then and there if the world health experts hadn't specifically banned its use And then censored any discussion around it again. Science is not the thing that is currently saving us. And discussions that challenge the science are also not the problem. They, in fact, are the solution. This entire problem could have been solved simply by remembering our humanity at the beginning and understanding that the point was not to end death forever. It was to continue leading our lives and continue creating human growth and human joy and human prosperity. But people like Nick Cohen don't understand that because the purpose for them is control. The left is usually blamed for failing to take on reactionary ideas in minorities. What? Hey, communist, can you explain what you mean? By reactionary ideas in minorities? Not sure that sentence is okay. But if it is crippled by liberal guilt and the demands of electoral expediency, then the right or parts of it is simply indifferent. It doesn't know about the conflicts in minority communities and doesn't see the need to know either. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's honestly hard for me to get through this, partly because it's so evil, but partly because it is just so child brain, rock, dumb, stupid. The left is blamed for failing to take on reactionary ideas in minorities. No idea what that means. Pretty sure he's not allowed to say cripple liberal guilt. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. Liberals just don't go hard enough with their ideas. It's that guilt that's pulling them back. They would be able to force everyone to get vaxxed if just if they just let go of that guilt the way Nick Cohen has. And of course, despite how evil and stupid Nick Cohen is, the problem you have to remember is that conservatives are indifferent to the suffering of poor and minority communities. That's factually false. False. It should be obviously factually false to communist Nick Cohen because he's literally the one who's insulting all of those groups while making their problems more severe. Doctors and, to their credit, government ministers understand they must allay people's fears. Yes, it's all about people's fears. Just make sure the people are scared enough So that the scary thing doesn't seem scary anymore. You got to make them so scared of the disease that getting an unproven vaccine injected into their bodies and then taking on a passport so that they can be tracked in every single way all the time until it becomes a Chinese communist style social credit score, which is the aim, by the way, that's also not a conspiracy. We just have to make sure to allay that fear by making the disease way more scary or by making the punishments for not complying way scarier. And that's problem solved as far as Nick Cohen is concerned, right? There's nothing wrong with reaching out, but at some point they will need to take on the propagators of fatally fake news with more vigor. If they do not, we will be. In an intolerable position, the poor, among whom ethnic minorities are disproportionately represented, suffer the greatest health inequalities during the pandemic. They disproportionately risked their lives in frontline services while experiencing the highest death rates. As the pandemic slows down, they will continue to suffer the highest death rates, along with new variants of the old plagues of racism and snobbery. (laughs) And all of that is just fine to communist Nick Cohen. So basically, if the minorities, the stupid people don't listen to Nick Cohen, then they will have worse health outcomes, even though there's absolutely no data supporting that claim as the pandemic goes away. And as we do have actual treatments for it and, you know, everything that we know about herd immunity disagrees with this clown. But they'll also have to face new variants of the old plagues of racism and snobbery. This article is pro-racism and pro-snobbery. And the only reason this moron thinks that this article isn't pro-racism is because he's such a snob that he never actually considers that one of his brilliant ideas might be wrong. This is one of the stupidest people on the planet. I don't know Nick's history here. It says he's an observer columnist. Well, okay. This guy is legitimately the sort of propagandist Joseph Goebbels would have loved. He would love to employ Nick Cohen because this here is one of the most perniciously evil, stupid, degenerate, divisive. Screeds of political pablum. I have ever read. I will be back tomorrow at the same. Reasonable time on the same, reasonable network. I don't have a network, although I probably am gonna soon. Maston lockdowns do not work and Joe Biden will never be president.